Welcome to Pharma Launch Secrets, a podcast by Evermed. We host direct, actionable conversations with world-leading pharma launch experts that will help you launch your next product or indication successfully. Now, here's your host, Bozidar Jovicevic. Welcome to new episode of the Pharma Launch Secrets podcast. So here's Bozzi, host, and today I'm joined by Naomi Fried. Naomi is the founder and CEO of Farmstars, a pharma-focused accelerator for digital health startups. Naomi is also the co-founder and general partner of Ambit Health Ventures, a venture capital fund focused on early-stage digital health and medical device startups. Uh, Naomi, welcome. Thank you, Bozzi. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited about our conversation. Well, my last uh, job in the pharma world before I ever met was head of digital therapeutics. So I had the chance to talk to a lot of startups, to partner with some of them, and to learn a little bit about the world in venture capital when it comes to digital health. So this topic today is going to be a little bit different from like a classical pharma launch and pharma launch in the post-COVID world. But we'll talk about how putting together you know, startups and pharma could potentially be beneficial for both. And to make this very you know, practical and specific, you founded Farmstars in 2021. Can you share a little bit like why you did it? What is Farmstars, first of all, and then why you decided to launch it? Great. Well, thanks for the question. So I launched Farmstars really to bridge the pharma startup gap, which I had experienced firsthand. And to understand this idea, let me share a little bit about my background. I had been working in healthcare innovation for, for many years. I was a vice president of innovation and advanced technology at Kaiser Permanente, the first chief innovation officer at Boston Children's Hospital. And then I was recruited to Biogen to help them develop their innovation beyond the molecule strategy. And I thought this would be a simple transition for me. I was going from one part of healthcare to another part of healthcare. When I got to Biogen, I discovered I did not understand a thing people were saying. I didn't understand the language. People were talking about medical and clinical, and these were completely different things. I didn't understand what people were doing. And it was really a very steep uh, learning curve for someone who was already in healthcare coming into the pharmaceutical industry. I eventually got up the learning curve, but I did in the process come to really appreciate the potential the digital health has to transform the pharmaceutical industry to really help not just deliver benefits to patients um, on therapeutic, but also to change how drugs are developed and commercialized. I left Biogen and started my own consulting firm to continue work on advising big pharma on digital health strategy. And I found myself in meetings between startups and big pharma, where the startups had great ideas that the pharma could definitely use. Um, they built something really creative. And yet when they would sit in these meetings, they would sort of talk past each other and actually no deals would happen. And the startup with a great idea would not actually solve the problem that the pharma had because they, they just didn't, didn't understand each other. And that's when I came to realize that there's something that I now call the pharma startup gap. And it's a fundamentally different way that startups and big digital health startups and big pharmaceutical companies do business. So they have certainly a different language. They have a different culture. They have a different approach to innovation, appetite for risk, different timing. 
And so the goal for Farm Stars is actually to bridge that pharma startup gap and to bring startups and pharma together in a constructive way so they actually can become partners and really take advantage of the innovation and the need for innovation um, and to work together. Oh, thanks for that. So what do you think are the reasons that pharma startup gap exists? Some of the things are you know, obvious. One is a you know, very large company executing a proven business model. The other one is you know, trying to prove the business model, get the product market fit. Where do you think are the biggest areas that kind of widen the gap between the two? So I think that digital health startups and pharmaceutical companies really operate different types of businesses. Pharmaceutical companies are obviously trying to develop therapeutics. They start with many possible targets. They narrow down to one product that they try to get approved by the FDA, and then they sell that one product with no change, you know, as long as the patent uh, is still available. Digital health startups, on the other hand, are technology companies. They are about building a rapid prototype, getting it to market, continuing to make changes to innovate. So they have a very different approach to innovation. And so they have a different approach to taking risks. Pharma is all about sort of minimizing the risk, betting on the best possible compounds and trying to get them uh, all the way through. Startups, digital health startups are busy taking risks. They're trying to change their, their product. And the timing is very different. You know, it takes often 10 to 15 years to bring a drug to market. A startup can, you know, build that's in the digital health space, can write a piece of software very quickly and get it to market in six months, maybe a year. So the timing is very different. And I think the budgets are very different. Pharma will spend, you know, as much as, you know, one or two, three billion dollars developing single product. A digital health startup uses uh, a lot less, let's just say. So very different ways of operating, different expectations, different timings. And that's what makes it very hard for them to actually get together and be partners because they operate in different ways and they don't really understand uh, each other and what it takes to actually be uh, a good partner to the other. And that's what we're trying to do is help both sides learn a little bit more and to uh, come closer uh, to the other so that they can uh, better work together. Sounds like a lot of differences. And, you know, as, as you were sharing that, I was hearing visuals of the different meetings I've been in where I've seen that gap in play and even a different energy in the room or people like sitting on a different size of the room almost feel like two different camps, two different teams and like looking at each other like, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Uh, even after partnerships are signed, I've seen that. The but let's let's talk first of all before we discuss a little bit like you know best practices for both to understand really uh, why would pharma work with a digital health startup in the first place? Where is they always come back to val value? Where is the value? Is the value in being able to provide a complete solution to patients or being better to identify patients or diagnose? Where do you see like the most common use cases nowadays from all the cohorts of the startups you see? What are like maybe two or three areas where startups can really help pharma on a, on a commercial side? So I think there's a lot of opportunity for digital health uh, solutions and innovations to support pharma. As you referenced, probably the one that's on most people's minds is how digital uh, solutions can bring more value to patients. What you know, where's an opportunity to do a drug plus a digital solution, a drug 
plus an app, a drug plus a diagnostic, a drug plus a digital therapeutic to address side effects or enhance uh, the impact of the drug. So there's a lot of potential to use uh, digital solutions together with therapeutics to bring more value to patients. And we did one of our PharmSTARS cohorts was focused on digital innovations in neurology and different diagnostics and other tools that can help diagnose and track patients' uh, conditions while they're still taking therapeutics. But I think that the value that digital health startups can offer pharma is not limited to just the patient side. There's actually a lot of amazing digital health startups that are thinking about how to help pharma with the drug discovery and development process. So how can they speed uh, and, and get drugs to market more quickly, more cheaply? So these are, you know, all sorts of platform tools, whether they, they might be data analytics tools, uh, discovery enhancing tools, a lot of different tools to help with clinical trials, whether it's with recruitment or tracking patients. Uh, there's, there's a lot of need that pharma has and a lot of interest in making that whole drug discovery and development process more efficient. And then a lot of these diagnostic uh, tools can be very useful for identifying patients for clinical trials, selecting the proper uh, population, getting selection criteria that makes sense. And I think that you know there's a real opportunity to use digital solutions to help provide more precision medicine to patients by figuring out how to tailor the therapeutics uh, to specific patients by using digital uh, diagnostics. So really a lot of opportunity. And I think pharma is starting to recognize all of the opportunity that digital health um, in all its different forms can bring to it. Yeah. And so you are saying, I mean, really across the whole value chain from, I often say, you know, if you go back to the first principles, pharma makes drugs and sells drugs or bring them into patients' hands, right? So it's like make drugs and sell drugs. Like most other industries, you make cars, that's basically innovation, <laughs> and then you sell cars. And at the end of the day, whether that's, you know, to improve drug discovery and anything in the clinical development to speed up or, or the second part, just bringing into someone's hand, not just selling, but supply chain, manufacturing, this and that, diagnostics, identification. So all of that, it means bringing it to their hands. That, they, that can be of help. So when it comes to, instead of like maybe start starting to talking about the best practices, how about we talk about the biggest mistakes? So we turn it around. And so biggest mistakes that you see uh, startups make. I somehow found that when it starts with mistakes, people kind of tend to remember better that and not do that. So maybe what do you see as like a top three or four mistakes in your day-to-day -day that startups do that they should not do? So I think the biggest mistake that we see startups making and that we try to actually coach them around in our accelerator is that they don't articulate their pharma value proposition. They don't actually understand what the problem is that pharma has and how they're helping solve it. They just come with their solution. And that provides a really big burden then on pharma to think about what does the solution mean? What does it mean for me? How can I apply it? Who should you know work with this startup? And I think that's the fundamental reason why I've seen a lot of startups get in a room with a pharma company and not be able to do a deal because they're just not stepping into the shoes of uh, the pharma company. So we really work with startups in PharmStars to help them articulate their pharma value proposition. I think another challenge for startups is 
not really understanding how pharma is organized, actually who to speak to, um, whether they should be speaking to someone in medical affairs or someone in commercial or someone in market access. There, there are a lot of different capabilities and um, needs that pharma has. And again, if startups don't understand who they're speaking to and what their objective is within the company, it's very hard to uh, explain why your product can make a difference. And then I'd say the last piece is also sort of related to that. And it's just not understanding pharma speak. I really think pharma has its own language. They have a huge number of acronyms. Actually, one of the things we do with our startups is we give them a whole list of pharma acronyms so they can start becoming familiar with it. But I think, you know, just as with any good relationship, communication is really important. So it's listening to what the problem is, and then it's being able to actually speak uh, the same languages. So I'd say those are probably three of the, the most common mistakes um, that, that startups make when approaching pharma. There's many more, but th those are at least three to get started. <laughs> no, that's super clear. I mean, look, I've been in these situations like hearing startup pitches and so on. I think one of the biggest challenges in any for any startup is to articulate the value proposition. And then the question that came to my mind as you were speaking is from the startups that you see, because you have this unique view of seeing multiple startups and cohorts. So of the startups that you see, I'm curious, is the majority of those startups led by people who have... Uh, many years of domain expertise and know the industry, or you see more like a fresh blood in digital health who are kind of making those first mistakes. So they're, you know, trying to go fast and break things, but see that that doesn't work. And then they kind of find like the middle ground. So we really tend to have a very uh, mixed heterogeneous uh, cohort. We accept domestic and international startups, but we also don't choose startups based on their funding stage, we just require that startups have a prototype or a product because our measure of success is deals done with pharma. So we just look for startups that have very innovative ideas that uh, pharma will be interested in. And it turns out we do get startups that are pivoting from elsewhere in healthcare, that are just getting into pharma, that have never tried to sell to pharma before. But we also have CEOs and uh, leaders that have worked in the pharma industry for 10, 15 years before. They're still actually often making the same mistakes. They may have a better handle on the language. They may understand, you know, who does what within the pharma industry, but there's still so much opportunity to learn uh, about pharma and to really craft that uh, value proposition. And, and the way we organize uh, our accelerator actually is uh, we have a five-part curriculum that we take all of the startups through, starting with pharma basics, just, you know, what's a biotech versus what's pharma, what's small molecule, large mo biologic. We then move into how drugs are made, how the pharmaceutical company is organized, what all those functions are. We also then get into the business of pharma. What does it mean to be, you know, a blockbuster or a niche buster? Why is there so much interest in rare disease? You know, how do, how do the whole patent and FDA approval process work? We then talk about uh, pharma as a regulated industry, and then we finish uh, our last uh, module is on what we call the art of the deal and, you know, what to expect in negotiations and due diligence and doing a deal with pharma and being a good pharma partner. So even folks that have a lot of pharma experience, and we have some of those in every cohort, tell us they can't believe how much they learned. They didn't expect to learn much, but pharma is so big and so complicated, and we have a very comprehensive curriculum that they always get a lot out of it. Okay. And so one other thing is that that is uh, uh, difficult for, for startups is... Uh, you know, death by thousand pilots. And 
So I was wondering, and then on the other side, and I, I've been on both sides now. So on the other side, when you're a farmer, you, you kind of, especially you're looking globally, like you need scale. You need someone who has enough resources and maybe has a global reach. And maybe and a lot of startups are not in that stage because to get to that stage, maybe you need a clinical study for, for what you're doing. So that means that you're at least five-year-old startup. Maybe you're not even a startup anymore, but you know, you're still called startup. So in that sense, like, what do you think in terms of getting for a startup from getting from, you know, having product that has first signals of value? to actually that what is was considered a successful path in digital health specifically right i know from the marketing side i have no better overview but on the digital health side is it the pilot that is six months the uh, six month pilot with a specific kpi that pre agreed that triggers something else or because it's very easy that you find yourself situation like spend two years where you know you have uh, expenses and everything and then you know it's like meeting after meeting after meeting you get drained with this big machinery uh, of large company. So one of the complaints we've actually heard from startups about the pharma companies they've talked to is sometimes the pharma companies don't seem to know what they want. Not sure if they want to do a project. So the good news is that our pharma members actually select the themes for our cohorts and they tell us what they're interested in. So our next cohort is around women's health and health equity and digital health solutions, because this is a topic that's of interest to our pharma companies. So the good news is the pharma members that are going to talk to our startups show up interested in this topic already and having some idea of what they want to do. But from the startup side, I think there's not a one size that fits all in terms of how to engage uh, pharma. So we actually work with each of our startups to develop their, not just their pharma value proposition, but also their pharma business model and what the deal is that they should be offering pharma. And yes, it often does start with a small project or a small pilot. They need to think about, you know, what is each side bringing to the table? And is this a licensing agreement? Is this a development project? You know, what does, what does stage one versus stage two look like? How many people should be involved? What resources are needed? And I think that that is also a very valuable way to engage farmers, actually to come with a proposal. This is how we think we can work with you. And our startups spend time learning about the pharma members. So it's a very personalized pitch in terms of we'd like to do this size project with you. We know you have this drug and this population. This is how we'll get involved with the clinical trials. This is how we'll engage with you. This is how we'll scale with you. And I think that that's been a really successful way to have a conversation with pharma is actually to come with a proposal, if you will, um, around what the business, their business model is and how they're going to engage together. And I think that helps get us past what you talked about of death by a thousand pilots, and maybe we'll try this, and maybe we'll try that, and I don't know, let's just keep trying it. So the, the startups actually, again, we coach them to do the thinking and we think with them about what success will look like. And we always emphasize that it should be a win-win. You, the startup, should succeed but there should be value for the pharma company and a reason that they want to do this uh, with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes we call it like clarity sessions. Sometimes when you say like someone from big pharma wouldn't know what they want, but uh, you know, startup's job sometimes is to ask them questions and get into that clarity and basically through that even uh, qualify people. The other piece I wanted to ask about, I mentioned that you know, sometimes really it's about getting clarity from pharma on what is it that they want. And sometimes through that process, by asking skillful questions, you can realize that maybe, you know, that pharma person is not the right person to 
you know, spend, you know, necessarily three to six months of your, or of your life trying to invest because there is nothing. They're not sure what they want. So I think that's a really important skill set that I had the chance to learn from both sides. What about pharma? So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see on pharma side that prevent them from working successfully with startups? Great question. So I think the, the first mistake we see uh, pharma sometimes make is that they actually don't have enough clarity of purpose. They don't know why they're talking to startups. They think, we want to be in innovation, we want to be engaged in digital health, but they haven't actually thought about the problems that they need solving. And that makes it very difficult then for a startup to actually deliver something of value because the strategy is not well articulated uh, on the pharma side. I think the other mistake that we see a lot that some pharma make is that they don't have an appreciation for the speed with which startups need to move, um, that they can't actually wait two years to do a deal, that they actually need to do a deal and start at least engaging in the project in order to be able to demonstrate to their investors that they actually have a viable business and that they will be able to make money through uh, selling to pharma. So I think what we see sometimes is that pharma just doesn't move fast enough and they don't really understand why startups are in uh, such a big hurry. And then I think sometimes they just also don't understand how, certainly for smaller startups, you know, how, let's just say, hungry and under-resourced they are, that, you know, then there's not going to be a general counsel in most startups that's going to be able to negotiate a deal, that it's going to be the CEO who's talking to, you know, the lawyer on the pharma side. So I think not always understanding that it's a David and Goliath in terms of resources and and staffing. So I, I think those are some of the mistakes that, that we see uh, pharma make when, when they are just starting to try to work with startups. Yeah, and, and I've seen it's very interesting because, again, I've been on both sides, so, so it just changes your perspective. And I think I've seen people who are pharma who actually had their own companies, or maybe they have startups when they were in the stage of their career. Maybe they have a failed startup, or maybe they work for a startup. That's very rare among pharma executives, but the ones they had that experience, they work very differently. When they talk to startup, they come from that sense of empathy and understanding, like, Hey guys, I know we can drown you in our what we call I call it machinery. We can drown you in the meeting machinery resources because at the end of the day we're going to exist no matter what for foreseeable future. You know, so when you know that okay, startups, okay, they may have a runway for the next 12 months, maybe six months, maybe 18 months, that they're looking at it very differently. They don't have time to be in all these meetings. So I've seen a difference. And maybe, you know, sometimes I will be in these meetings. I'm like, it would be really nice. To before doing anything, kind of spend 15 minutes on each side, share a day in the life off, <laughs> and then <laughs> really try to understand each other better, or maybe switch, maybe work for one day on both sides, and have that kind of accelerated <laughs> perspective shift. Because otherwise, there is this gap, like an elephant in the room that no one is really talking about, that actually leads to frustrations, to prolonged timelines to failed pilots or to a um, huge amount of excitement for pharma while, or for startups while on the pharma side, they're like, you know, just like potentially exploring something. So I've seen those ups and downs. And um, I think at understanding, maybe that could be an idea for uh, an episode, a day in the life of. <laughs> so bridging the gap through helping them understand motivation, timelines, runway, <laughs> things like that. So I, was, I think one way that FarmStars is really very fortunate is the pharma members that we have are represented by what we call the champion liaisons. 
but they aren't just, you know, champions because that's their job. They're actually working on the front lines of digital health partnerships and innovations. And so those folks actually do have that kind of appreciation you were just talking about and understanding and interest in startups. So they're really good at then sort of facilitating a relationship with different people within the pharmaceutical industry that would be the business partner and helping to sort of do some of that liaison and some of that translation uh, that we're talking about in terms of expectations around timing and speed. So it's really wonderful for the startups to come through our accelerator that they get to work with these champions that have been sort of handpicked because of their interest and appreciation and understanding of startups. And that those champions help open the doors then and find the right subject matter experts and, and the right connections and the right uh, sort of business owners uh, within uh, the organization, and then continue to sort of support and facilitate the relationship between the startup. And to bring this all together, is there any example you can share with a, a startup that you work, anything you, you, you can share, you're allowed to share, anonymized, de-anonymized, of course, it's de-anonymized better, that you can share uh, bringing this together, like something that worked well? So we have had 34 startups go through our three cohorts already. Uh, we usually do about 10 startups at a time. And we have a number of startups that are in conversations with Pharma. We think uh, one of our startups is going to be doing a very large, hopefully seven-figure deal uh, will be closing in the next couple months. And what's really exciting is they just started talking to the pharma company in June. They were part of our second cohort. Um, so they met with the pharma for the first time in June. And I think if they have a deal that comes together in early 2023, to have a deal done in seven or eight months with a huge pharmaceutical company of that magnitude is really uh, a great uh, success. Again, I can't, the deal's not done. I can't re reveal any of the details, but we're seeing really, you know, good engagement. And the other thing is that all of the startups report that they feel so much more empowered in talking with pharma, uh, again, because they understand now who's on the other side of the table. I, one of the startups um, from our first cohort said they, they had been working with pharma before, but they never felt comfortable sort of asking pharma any questions when they go into the meetings. So they weren't sure again about how the pharma was organized. They weren't sure they were using the right terminology. So they would just try to answer the questions, but they wouldn't ask them. After going through and sort of learning about pharma, they felt now empowered to actually be really more of a partner and say, well, what about this and what about that? So we've just, we've had so much positive feedback about, you know, how startups feel after they've learned about pharma and, and how to engage them. So there's been, there's been a lot of successes. That's bridging the gap. One last question I want to ask is, because you're running Accelerator, but also a venture fund, so why did you decide to do both and how those two work synergistically, I would assume? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I launched the Venture Fund because I felt that there was uh, an unmet need in the market around early stage funding for digital health companies, particularly diagnostics and therapeutics. So that's where Ambit Health Ventures is really working. There's a lot of investors that have large funds that want to write large checks. And that's good if your startup is a little bit larger. But if you're in that sort of seed, pre-seed stage, um, you don't want those big checks. You want smaller amounts of money. 
and you want to have investors that actually can provide a strategic support, introductions, advice, guidance. So that's really where my partner and I have sort of a lot of experience, and we thought we could really uh, bring value uh, to the startups we invest in. Farmstars is a great way to see digital health startups. Um, there, we talk a lot. So the startups in our program want to talk about funding um, as well as uh, working with with pharma. So we uh, talk about uh, the investment uh, landscape and opportunity in what we call graduate school. So we have our basic Pharma U program. The uh, startups graduate from the program, but then we stay in touch with them and we continue to build the community um, and we put them together in what's called graduate school and they all come and we have workshops and speakers and uh, special interest groups uh, around topics of interest. And fundraising is actually an area that comes up time and again because every startup needs to get funding to because they're not uh you know revenue positive they're not cash flow positive yet so um there's a lot a lot of synergy uh between uh, the two activities for me it's just a passion around working with uh startups and really a belief in the importance of digital health as a transformation uh to the whole healthcare industry and as a way to bring uh, so much more value uh to patients got and then yeah, thanks. So to me, I really, my hope is that, you know, whether it's pharma a companies working with uh, and folks from pharma working with startups, so startups listening to this episode, you know, got like two or three or four tips and ideas as part of the conversation. And some of them maybe reach out to you, maybe part of the whole cohort or maybe some of the pharma companies connect with you while identifying startups because those discussions are happening. I've been involved in a bunch of those. And if they start, to your point, with identifying the problem that needs to be solved, that's usually the best so that you have all this alignment happening before you reach out to startups. I know we found when I was in Santa Fe, we found like some of the best companies like that. So we would half a year spend aligning what the problem we were solving and then talk to startups. So then things would happen much faster. So at the very end, i like our listeners to get to know a little bit the person that I'm interviewing. So I'll ask you... Uh, rapid fire questions such as what's your favorite buzzword of 2022? Uh, have to be digital uh, digital therapeutics. <laughs> digital therapeutics. All right, uh, that was I think coined by by Sean Duffy from um, Omada Health about 10 years ago. So but it's it's very it's still popular. Yeah, I, the other one I have to say is I'm a big fan of digiceuticals. I like that term even better. Yeah. <laughs> what's the best book you've read over the past year or so? I read The Chancellor by uh, Katie uh, Martin about uh, the biography of Angela Merkel. I found it very uh, interesting and inspiring and, and super educational. Chancellor, nice. And then is there anyone in the world of pharma or digital health, uh, or who in the world of pharma or digital health would you take out for lunch and pick their brain? I'd like to go to lunch with Myrtle Potter. She's the CEO of Sumitavant, and I think that is an amazing three-year-old biotech company, part of a bigger uh, Japanese pharmaceutical company, but really very innovative. And I'd love to talk with her about it. Awesome. Well, maybe she's listening. So uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, Myrtle, if you're free. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And then what one sentence piece of advice would you give to anyone just starting in healthcare and healthcare innovation today? I would say take risks. Don't be afraid of failure. Every failure is just an opportunity to learn and to, to keep growing. Mm-hmm. And then where can people find you online? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm very active. I try to, try to post uh, fairly regularly. And of course, uh, you can hear more about and learn about Farmstars at farmstars.com. 
All right. It was a pleasure having you today, Naomi, and uh, looking forward to hear about successes with partnership with pharma and uh, startups. Thank you, Bozi. It was really a pleasure to talk to you today. This podcast was brought to you by Evermed. Evermed offers pharma companies the fastest path to having their own Netflix-like on-demand video engagement hubs for doctors or patients. Make sure to search for Pharma Launch Secrets in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and click on the follow icon so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Evermed, thanks for listening.